Hello, I'm Anna Bogutskaya. And I'm Clarice Lockery. And this is the Next Supremes, an American Horror Story Rewatch podcast. In this episode, Sister Satan thinks it's time for Murder Santa to come out and play. Jingle bells, <laughs> Santa kills, time to hide away. I've never had so much fun coming up with a synopsis for any episode as this. It's like, it's got everything. <laughs> it's got Satan, it's got murder, it's got Santa, it's got nuns. <laughs> Yeah, we should point out, not canon- like canonically called Murder Santa, but we will be referring to him as Murder Santa throughout this episode. Yeah, I mean, you know, but this whole podcast project is a whole big audition to get hired into the Writers Room of American Horror Story, isn't it? So, you know, Ryan. Basically. <laughs> we we can come up with fun canonical names for your characters. Yeah, like Murder Santa. <laughs> and Sister Satan. Yeah. so to kick off on the episode essentially we start at christmas time and we meet i actually just have him in my notes as murder santa he does have a name his name is lee and uh he is a serial killer who dresses up as santa and goes on a murder rampage and most importantly it's played by ian mcshane I just, I just always think of Ian McShane talking about Game of Thrones and going, <laughs> "It's all tits and dragons." Um, that's my overarching thought about Ian McShane. <laughs> I can imagine that he would go, "It's all tits and murder" about American Horror Story as well. Although it would technically be butts and yeah. murder. It's all butts and Satan. <laughs> <laughs> Asylum is is interesting because it kind of occasionally brings up the sort of. Um, inmate of the week episodes where we meet or we see the backstory of several inmates of Briarcliff and Murder Santa is a particularly fun one. What did you make of the of Ian McShane in this role? I can't I mean, even do it with a straight face. That you are right about inmate of the we've we've not seen this guy at all for what, eight episodes and he's not even been in the background. <laughs> But we're just meant to, he's been here the whole time, don't worry about it, he's a murder Santa. <laughs> he's just been very quiet. He's just been in the basement, because yeah. he is so murderous that he cannot really be around the general population. He's a murderous and extremely horny Santa. That's all he wants to do. Yes, yeah, and there's a lot of Dutch angles when they're introducing his backstory. I think every shot is a Dutch angle, which for anyone who doesn't know, it's just when they tilt the camera slightly to go, whoa, yeah. <laughs> it's artsy now. Um, and I mean, he has an, an interesting backstory uh, where he, he turns up uh, at someone's house and there's the the little cute little girl who's like Santa you're six days <laughs> early and he's like don't worry about it <laughs> Santa <laughs> you're not wearing your beard don't worry about it <laughs> it's just like Santa you've got blood on your shirt don't worry about it <laughs> 
and this like dumbass little girl who did not uh, pay attention to any of these three red flags leads Murder Santa into her parents' bedroom uh, where he promptly uh, well he kind of ties them up first and and taunts them and then mm. murders them and it's yeah. like well what did you think was going to happen I mean it's a great opening for a show and um <laughs> I I we don't actually we don't actually see him murder the little girl though. So in my head there is a a sequel called Murder Santa 2 where the little girl hunts down and or maybe becomes Murder Santa herself I... because she's so traumatized by the experiences of that one Christmas. Yeah, I mean, you know, this is absolutely not canon. I just I just like to make up dream sequels in my head to things that are one scene. I think she would become the next murder Santa. She'd be haunted by the guilt of it totally being her fault that this happened. Because uh, she just let this strange man into her parents' yeah. bedroom. It'll be like American Psycho 2, except American Psycho then ah. is Mila Kunis as opposed to Christian Bale. And yeah... Murder Santa. Murder Santa. I'd watch it. I'd watch it. <laughs> and the reason we get to meet Murder Santa in the first place is because Barcliff is now under new management and Sister Satan has taken over the reins from Sister Jude and decides to throw a Christmas party. Um, what did you what did you make of not just the party and the decorations? which were, you know, spectacular, but also the dynamic between Sister Satan and the Monsignor. Oh, God, I fucking hate the Monsignor. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. I don't know why this episode I was like, I've had it. I've had it with this guy. He's the worst in this. Like, I don't know, this woman is literally Satan, but he, like, comes in being like, oh, I've brought this glass ornament made by the St. Rossi chart or some, like, ridiculous bullshit. <laughs> and, and he's like, I thought it would be so good this year to hang on this tree. Oh, oh, sister, oh, sister, it's such an imaginative tree. I love what you've done with the play. Ugh. Mm. I, he's just like... I don't know. I think with everything that's happened, he's just like retreated into his own posh little brain. (laughs) (laughs) I really dislike... I I agree with you. He did make me angry in this episode. And I think a lot of that is down to Joseph Fiennes doing that incredible voice work where his voice just goes really kind of high. And I'm like, why do I want to punch you now? And also he's like throwing shade at Sister Jude. And it's really offensive. Like, she worshipped the man for, you know, whatever reasons. But now he's just dissing her and just rubbing himself up against Sister Satan. And he's just a spineless, spineless character. Yeah, you're right about Joseph Fiennes is, is very good in this episode. He does that voice of, like, man appreciating art that he doesn't understand. <laughs> You can imagine him with just like a little glass of wine and he's, you know, (laughs) sniffing the wine going, oh, yes, great piece. It's that voice and it's really irritating. But Joseph Fiennes like nails it perfectly. 
oh my god you're so right it's also that moment where he like explains the the quite like morbid decorations that sister satan has forced the inmates to like cut off bits of their hair and take out their dentures and put them on the tree and he's like oh my god i love the resourcefulness and the you know the creativity that you've displayed here it's sort of you know like found art it's like, oh god he's talking about massa duchamp and you're oh like, my god <laughs> she, she just put a denture on a she just put a pair of dentures on a tree like calm the fuck down <laughs> sorry I haven't sworn this much on the podcast, but I've lost. I've, I've, we've crossed the line with the Monsignor. <laughs> He's your Adam Levine. He's my Adam. But well, except <laughs> I love Joseph. I love Joseph Fine. Yes, He's great. Yes, I mean this character. His performance is incredible. <laughs> yeah, he's very good at uh, at delivering this just nauseating mm. character. <laughs> no, he is. Oh, I hate him. Yeah, I hate him. Not not as passionately as you, but he is so hateable in this episode. Yeah, it just wasn't until now. I'm just like, so, some <laughs> switch has flipped. Now I just have a burning, burning hatred for this man. We we love burning hatred for fictional male characters. Mm-hmm. I like that Dr. Arden is just sort of like, just kind of walks in and goes, tisk tisk. <laughs> 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 basically walks back out again dr arden is so judgmental and which is rich because he's literally a nazi yeah like like where are you coming off there you don't oh i'm sorry that this christmas is not up to your standards you're literally a, a pure evil doctor who experiments on people and has a nazi past like you know you will get the christmas that you're delivered so chill Honestly, although I I appreciate the fact that this is the American Horror Story version of a Christmas special. This is the only time they've ever done it as well, I think. I don't think there's ever been a Christmas episode after this. But it's definitely the first. This season is interesting because like, yeah, this is the first. And um, when I was reading up, reading up on the episode, I, I saw that Ryan Murphy uh, wrote this episode. Well, you know, what are we going to do? for a Christmas special with American Horror Story because all we do is like Satan and ghosts and murder and a whole lot of uh, sex. So of course we're going to do a horny murder Santa. That's obviously the only thing we can do. Which, you know, I, I would have loved to be in that brainstorm meeting with him. Mm. I mean, I feel like there's more you, like, let's bring in Krampus. Get some Krampus <laughs> yes. in there next season. <laughs> for- I mean... You know how they did like a whole um, Chilling Adventures of Sabrina sort of special standalone episode around, um, I I want to say it was Christmas. Yeah. It was definitely some sort of holiday. I'd love American Horror Story to do like a standalone hour long episode of just Krampus mythos. Well, because he's now doing, Ryan Murphy's doing like a standalone. Aren't they doing a... Yeah. American Horror Stories. Stories. It's stories plural yeah so it's like <laughs> so <laughs> unimaginative <every> <laughs> i mean what is you can't how would you make an acronym from that it's like it's ahs tiny s like how is that gonna work ahs because then it'll be 
it's gonna get real confusing for us and other fans when it's AHS and then what's American Horror Stories gonna mm. be called anyway these are the things I think of during the day <laughs> so we're in Briarcliff and from one despicable man to another bloody face Dr. Threadstone breaks into Briarcliff to kill off Lana but he gets overpowered by her with the help of Kit. What did you think of this, uh, of their re-encounter? It's a bit random. <laughs> I guess. I mean, he just, like, turns up. Like, hey, I figured out you're here, probably. <laughs> um, which I'm not sure. He does sort of offer an explanation, but I'm not sure it, it really makes sense. He said something about I mean- he overheard it on the radio that... She- there was a car accident but then why would but anyways he's there he does like say that um he needs to murder her because like the fear of her kind of escaping alive and being alive and being able to tell who he really is um he has this moment where he's like you made me kill bloody face that you know he had to scrub his apartment clean of any evidence because um because he was afraid that she would turn him in and she hasn't had the chance yet so he's like wants to murder her to preempt her telling anyone what he's done and who he really is yeah which and he's like very he's he's like pretending that you know he's been the one who's hurt here because he says I, i opened my heart to you um I cannot. This is kind of like, like really insidious. I don't know, just very it's an insidious, creepy sort of mm. uh, relationship between these two people. Mm. I mean, it's it's interesting because he's like the most interesting story Lana has, like as a journalist and as an ambitious journalist, which we know her she is. This is such a juicy tale. And you can tell that she knows it and she's sort of, you know, taking notes in her head about all the things kind of as they're unfolding. But also, literally, this is a man who is now obsessed with her and wants to murder her. Yeah. And somehow feels like she wronged him, even though he literally murdered her girlfriend, kidnapped her and assaulted her. Yeah. And then Hmm. also tried to kill her, basically. But yeah, I think it is that. I mean, we've talked about this before. It's that sort of that journalistic instinct inside of her of like, we must, Mm. I must pursue truth above all other Mm -hmm. things, no matter the sacrifice, is also the thing that I think makes her such a survivor because she's so Mm -hmm. locked into this, this one goal that she will do anything to reach that point. No, I completely see that. And it's I think it's one of the things that makes her such a compelling character anyway. There's kind of like a there's just like a fierceness to her. Hmm. Um, because she just has this sort of I don't know, it is a really interesting character because um it's a sort of is almost kind of something a bit subconscious within her, I think. Like, yes, mm-hmm. she she's also like I agree that she's kind of pursuing the story and she sees like the sort of the the journalistic aspect of it and and 
what she can pursue there. But I think that it's also just some some part of her personality mm-hmm. that she just has to she has to tell the world about Bloody Face. Mm. Like she cannot let this go. I mean, she doesn't really have any choice because he's just like turned mm-hmm. up to be like hi. But I think that was always going to be her goal, no matter what happened. Absolutely. There's kind of one other major character that we haven't talked about, and that's Sister Jude, who is pretty much banished from Barcliff now. But she has a meeting with Dr. Arden, and I found the scene quite interesting because of the because of the the dynamic of power but also between them but also because of the fact that they're two characters who were the two most powerful people in Briarcliff and they have both sort of been forcibly stripped of that and the their conversation in the church is extremely tense what did you make of it his sort of obsession with Mary Eunice where that's really like he he becomes it's interesting because he's really been um you know we talk a lot about the mvp who has the power mm-hmm. i mean he's been in such a powerful position for most of this season and mm-hmm. in this scene he just kind of falls apart because he he can't bear the thought that oh pure and chaste mary eunice you know might not be so pure and chaste anymore i don't think he even cares mm-hmm. about the satan aspect like whatever <laughs> Satan Schmaten, you know, what he cares about is that, yes. you know, he she's she's using levicious language and winking at me. I can't bear it. Um and he literally She's a whore. Yeah. A whore. <laughs> um and he's he's literally like begging uh Sister Jude at this point mm. of please, please help me. And it's just like I don't know get a grip man yeah <laughs> i know she's satan this is the bigger problem <laughs> not your weird like you know virgin mary hawk complex like the focus on the bigger picture here the downfall of these soft boys is unbelievable like dr arden threatstone slash bloody face demon senior they're all horrible and they're all horrible, like, in an insidious, deep-set way that, like, even their murderous sprees are just the manifestation of something that's so much more um, general. Like, all of that stuff is, like, you know, Dr. Arden being a, a crazed Nazi scientist, Bloodyface being a serial murderer, the Monsignor being a, an incredibly spineless, like, political... All of those are just kind of, you know, very exaggerated versions of pretty everyday behavior. And especially, I think, from men in positions of power. That's one of the things that's been interesting for me about rewatching this season is that all of that kind of over-the-top, campy, violence stuff, actually, when when you look at some of the quieter scenes... And some of the behaviors that kind of underpin those big decisions and those big blood points, it's it's quite precise in a scary way. Mm. Like there's a real interest in the sort of the 
how men try to hide that i mean this is a whole like function of the patriarchy is like you know mm. <clears throat> men men cannot seem be seen to be weak and so they yeah. must cover that weakness you know through rage mm-hmm. and violence and authority you know it's sort of the i guess psychological reading of like how mm-hmm. of, of misogyny and and patriarchy and and all that stuff it's sort of this inability to to show flaw and to show weakness and to show fear and to show you know all these I guess things that are considered feminine emotions and I think you know yeah that's what's what's interesting is all these characters are you know if you peel away all the different layers and all these sort of Mm -hmm. insane sort of yeah huge things about them like you know they're a serial killer um Mm -hmm. if you you take all that away what you're left with is just like a very scared little boy you know who's not allowed to be scared yeah i couldn't agree more except for kid kid's just nice kid is a nice boy he's a nice boy (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes yes with very nice hair and we like yeah that. yeah it's kind of funny that it's like all the men are just absolutely terrible except for kit <laughs> just like kit <laughs> kit's just minding his own business <laughs> trying to get by keeps getting attacked by aliens it's very frustrating <laughs> oh bless him and is there anything in the episode we haven't covered before we move on to our categories the only thing I think worth mentioning is just maybe the ending because... Oh, yeah. Well, we have like a double... <laughs> a lot of things happen during the end, actually. <laughs> um, so we have Sister Satan kills Frank, the security guard, um, because he is thinking of like, I don't know, spilling his beans, to quote the lighthouse. Um <laughs> <laughs> And and they can't have that, so he's dead. And then also uh, Sister Satan wants to get rid of Sister Jude. So mm-hmm. she kind of arranges it so that Murder Santa goes on a rampage and ends up alone in a room where Sister Jude tries to kill her uh, and also assault her. But Sister Jude slashes his throat. And that's pretty much where it ends. Yes, it does. And it's a great ending. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that uh, the Santa murder spree in the sort of the common room because um, it's the Monsignor is there and he just been, you know, all up in Sister Satan's face like, oh my God, you're doing so well, well done. I wish we'd, you know, promoted you earlier or whatever. And then there's a big murder spree and Sister Satan is like, oh, well, you know, two step forward, one step back. Yeah. As if this was like literally a coffee pot that was spilled. Yeah, there's a lot of people who that mean actually reminds me of the the one random sister that turns up, um, and she's sitting by Lana's bedside. Yes, and she's just very chill. I was like, re- <laughs> I found it really disconcerting. Because Lana wakes up and she's like, "Oh my god, what's going on? Uh, this place and um." Yeah, this is just like, don't worry about it. Mary Eunice knows what she's doing. It's all fine. There's no Satan <laughs> or aliens or murder sanders here. <laughs> like, I just don't know what this sister, like, where has she been? 
this whole time that it like she just none of anything that's happened has entered her sphere of knowledge <laughs> so she's just floating around Blight Briarcliff being like what a nice place to work I love it here I don't know you know what I found her really maybe weird. it is <laughs> what a what a great mindset to have she's like oh there's an alien now and oh cool we've got a murder santa oh and now we've got an exorcism and now there's a tiny tiny girl serial killer oh just another great day at the office yeah yeah it's big big positive energy get on her <laughs> you don't have to be crazy to work here but it helps is that the <laughs> mug that's the mug that they always sell yeah. i bet she has that mug i'm just saying <laughs> It's like she's in her own um sub-series or like movie within the series and it's just office space, but at Briarcliff. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so shall we move on to our categories? Yes. What was your favorite quote of the se- of the episode? Um, milk and cookies time for me and you, Susie. Just like that. <laughs> That's what Murder Santa says to that that not so bright little girl. I have a I have a Murder Santa favorite, Ooh. and I have a Bloody Face favorite. Ooh, Can okay. I do two? Yes, you are absolutely allowed to. <laughs> okay, so my Murder Santa favorite, just because the only person aside from Oliver Reed who can deliver this line and have so much fun with it, is Ian McShane, and I love him for it. He has like a another patient on his lap and he's like, What do you say we blow this pop stand, go savage a few elves and then suck on each other? Yes. <laughs> that is a plan. I mean, that's an offer. <laughs> Who are the elves? Who's the just people? Is he just saying let's go murder some people? Yeah, I think that is literally what he's saying. Oh. And the other line that I loved which was from Bloody Face, where he tells Lana, you made me give you my intimacy. Ugh. I think I like threw up a little bit. <laughs> I was like, I hate you so much. That's gross. He's so gross. He That could 100% end up on um, the Instagram beam me up soft boy, which if people don't follow, I highly, highly, highly recommend for um, dating app based humor. Yeah. Yeah, that's the kind of thing somebody would say when they're being broken up with. Yes. Yeah, gross. And are there any sad butts in this episode? Um, no. We've been very butt depraved recently. (laughs) Depraved. (laughs) I don't know what to say. It's been a lack of butts. Yes. And that is the sad fact that there are no, there's not enough butts to go around. And moving on to the MVP of the episode. I feel like probably I, oh, I'm i sorry. I'm going to say Satan again. I know that's always my answer. <laughs> but really Satan this time because like uh, Satan gets like the plan has gone off without a hitch. Frank's uh-huh. dead. Well, Satan at this point maybe thinks that Sister Jude is dead. Everything's mm-hmm. going swimmingly for Satan, I would say. <laughs> How about you? I'm going to say Lana. 
Mainly because, yes, she's back at Briarcliff, not ideal. But because she's back at Briarcliff, she and Kit can join forces again. And she does trust Kit, which is a good thing. And she does overpower Bloody Face. So together they um they sort of knock him out and they hide him in a room. So she's now got the upper hand on him, which I appreciate for her and I'm happy for her. Good for you. Good for you, Lana. Yes. And what about any insensitive historical references in this week's episode? Well, I did look up uh Santa related murders and Oh hello. There have been several. The most famous or I guess infamous is the Covina Massacre where Bruce Jeffrey Pardo entered a Christmas Eve party uh, at a Mm -hmm. house wearing a Santa suit and he had in a gift wrapped package a homemade flamethrower and two 9mm semi-automatic handguns and he this is really dark he opened fire on the party killed nine people and then used the flamethrower to set the house ablaze and then later died from a self-inflicted gunshot wound. Um, sorry, that was a really not fun story, but that wow is there are real life cases of of Santa people dressing up as Santa and killing people. So that's that. Sorry, that <laughs> don't <laughs> I don't have any fun commentary on that. But but um, that is the insensitive historical reference of the week. Excellent. And are there any cinema references that you picked up this week? Well, I guess I just thought of Silent Night, Deadly Night. But then I thought particularly of Silent Night, Deadly Night 2 just because I love that garbage day scene where a guy (laughs) just says garbage day weirdly and then shoots somebody but i don't there wasn't any like particular reference so i guess it's just the general the general theme of uh, having a murderous santa (laughs) yeah and that's that's pretty explicit in um ryan murphy also talked about it like murder santas or kind of santa based horror films are a whole Mm subgenre and there's quite a few like fun ones and some genuinely really good ones so it's like a very it's a very familiar image for horror fans yeah i was trying to think what the most famous one but is it silent night deadly night is that the most famous santa horror I think I think that is like there's Black Christmas was just not technically Santa horror, but it is sort of set around Christmas time. And that's had like three iterations. And there's Krampus, which is really genuinely super good. Um, Oh, and (laughs) well, it's not like a a murder Santa. It's a murder um, snowman, but Jack Frost. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Not the like not the Michael Keaton one, but the one. Yeah. Yeah. Where yeah. he's got big old the teeth. The scary one. Yes, that is yeah. a good shout. But yeah, I'd say um, Silent Night is probably the, the most famous one. So what can we expect from next week's episode? In the next episode... Okay, drum roll. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> we meet the son of Bloody Face. Bloody Face has... It's like the son of Mask. It's the son of Truly Bloody is. Face. The son of Bloody Face. <laughs> <laughs> The drama gets real in the next episode. Yeah, we'll be back next Wednesday with another episode of American Horror Story Asylum. In the meantime, send us your thoughts on Twitter. I'm at Clarice Lou. And I am at Anna B. Demented. Santa Claus is coming. 
to kill people. <laughs> <laughs> I did that last time. Sorry. I don't yeah. have a Son of Bloody Face song yet. Stay tuned for that. Chameau ni diligence, il parcourt l'Europe à pied, Scandinavie ou Provence dans la sainte pauvreté. Dominique, nique, nique, s'en allait tout simplement, routier, pauvre et chantant. En tout chemin, en tout lieu, il ne parle que du bon Dieu, 